swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God. Welcome to Movie Mistrial. The podcast where we examine the IMDb's 250 top movies of all time and we determine if they're lying. <laughs> My name is Johannes. And I'm Raji. Today we're discussing another film on this bombastic list. Stanley Kubrick's comedic and emotional exploration of nuclear annihilation. Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Love, How I Learned to Stop Worrying About the Bomb. The longest title ever. Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying About the Bomb, was released to critical acclaim on January 29th, 1964, and stars Peter Sellers, George Scott, Sterling Hayden, Slim Pickens, and this was the first movie for James Earl Jones. Just saying, there's only one female person in this cast. <laughs> <laughs> Nine of them was mentioned. Mm, that's very interesting. I mean, she was okay. <laughs> Before we start pondering about that moment of pure ecstasy and fantasizing about the end of the world, I have to ask what makes you happy today? What makes you happy today? So, uh, there's a cover version of a Taylor Swift song. So, I'm, I've, I've grown into a little bit of a Swifty of the Taylor Swift song, A Cruel Summer by the artist G Flip. And that song makes me happy. <laughs> I like the Taylor Swift version already, but this one's kind of a more of a rocky kind of thing. Love it. Great. Fantastic. That makes me happy. Loving it. That's nice. Uh, how about you? What makes you happy? Um, you know, I think what probably made me happy this week is the fact that I've, I've had this movie for almost 15 years and I haven't, I've never finished it. Every time I started, I always get bored and I uh, stop watching. Um, <laughs> for some reason, I I got to finish it uh, for the first time, and I was like, "All right, finally, uh, twenty nine dollars well spent <laughs> after almost fifteen, almost fifteen years of having this movie." Um, but uh, you know, it was good money, so yeah. glad glad I finished watching it. Right, right. No, it's good. Um... For some reason. I mean, the reason being is to talk about it today. So, um, But excellent. Yeah, glad you were able to get through this. I This was the first time seeing this movie for me. I've seen clips of it, mm. but more kind of, you know, like sets, stuff like that big round set. But um, I've never seen like extended clips from it. So it was interesting to see. Uh, it felt surprisingly short for Kubrick but you know we'll go into more detail once we figure out what's happening here all right cool uh, let's hear synopsis first though Dr. Strangelove, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb is a 1964 satirical black comedy film directed by Stanley Kubrick set against the backdrop of Cold War paranoia the movie portrays the absurdity of nuclear conflict in a deranged U.S. Air Force, in general orders a nuclear attack on the Soviet Union, a series of darkly comedic events unfold, highlighting the dangers of political and military brinkmanship. The film features an iconic character, Dr. Strangelove, a former Nazi scientist, and explores the surreal and terrifying aspects of nuclear deterrence. Through its sharp wit and satirical approach, Dr. Strangelove remains a classic and thought-provoking commentary on the precarious balance of power during a tumultuous period in history. The synopsis of this movie. Fantastic. So you said you started this a couple of times, right? But you never finished it? Yeah. 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 But I think that, 
you know, the interesting thing about this movie, this movie has a vibe to it, and you have to be feeling an in- intense amount of, like, I know it was made during the time where, you know, the Berlin crisis, the Cuban crisis, the death of, you know, the... Well, it was maybe for the death of the president, but it came out after the death of the president. Um, but it was a lot of, like, the sense of doom was everywhere. Um, and, uh, you know, we're in 2024, and it feels like a ripe time to watch this film because the sense of doom is everywhere. And the movie is about incompetence in power and how incompetent people can have the power to destroy us. So it feels like it's ripe for the time we're living in. Yeah, um, to figure out uh, which side of the round table we are at, we should flip a coin though and kind of figure out what's happening next. So, heads or tails? I'm going to go with heads. Tails. All right. What I are you going for? To choose today. Um, I'm going to go against this. What? All right, cool. That's that's interesting. All right, let's go. Let's go. You have the floor. I have the floor. And the witness will address this court as judge or your honor. Dr. Strangelove and how I learned to love the bomb, the abbreviated version. Um, man, the title is almost longer than the film, but uh, fascinatingly enough, like it's a 90-minute movie, but it feels longer because it's just convoluted and confusing and and kind of it's a bizarre story so basically we have a a crazy military lead who just kind of goes rampant and starts uh, making orders and dropping bombs on russia um and there's no way to stop it because uh, the only way to communicate with all the planes is giving them a special code but the code is not known by everybody so it's just this weird um, kind of going back and forth between what's happening on the plane, what's happening in the war room, and what's happening in an office. And I found that both to be kind of complex and hard to follow <laughs> because you have all these people kind of with different agendas. Um, and that the focus is essentially the, the military chain of command. And following orders, even though they're they may not be true, but there's no way to to both verify or kind of question it because it's an order, right? So you have to do it. Um, but that may put us into global doom and destruction. <laughs> um, the thing that I called out uh, in the list of actors that are in this, there's one female actor, and she is basically just a side piece for one of the male actors. And I find that very frustrating. Like there should be more representation. Um, What really didn't jive with me is the weird tonality of this, the mix of impending doom and global destruction and weird comedies such as uh, this is a war room. uh, We don't fight in here or um, the, very bizarre ending with Dr. Strangelove, who is this German doctor 
who has zombie limbs. It's almost just like, it's just bizarre. I don't fully understand what, what they were trying to do here. Because um, at, at the end of the day, if you think about it, this is an anti-war movie and it's, it's basically dealing with the Cold War and the dangers of nuclear weapons. And uh, what if one country goes rogue? Now, I think there is a film that does this a lot better, and that is War Games, uh, which I've seen recently, uh, because it's basically dealing with the same thing, um, but a little more modern, where um, a computer program runs rampant and just thinks there's a simulation and, and, you know, people think the OS is attacked. Um, And this is kind of the, the other side of it where we are actively attacking <laughs> and uh, it happens and we drop a bomb. And for some reason, the person the the pilot of the plane that drops the bomb is this cowboy person who's riding the bomb down to, <laughs> to explosion. It's just so weird. It's a weird narrative. It's a weird disjointed story with strange characters, weird comedy, even though it's not really comedic. Um, I never really felt a sense of impending doom, even though that's basically what we're trying to do here. And uh, yeah, it's a strange film. It's a very strange film. Not only strange Doctor Strange Love, but man, what a strange film. Cool. Um, I think it's it's an interesting observation you have. And I think that I can speak to some of it. So one of the things you talked about in your conversation is the fact that this movie has a tone where there's a nuclear destruction about to happen, but everybody seems lackadaisical about it. They're talking about the most the weirdest, dumbest things. Um, and I think that that's actually what makes this movie charming and what shows the incompetence of the, um, of the leadership. What he's asking, and I think from this film, is that uh, we have created, previously in history, we've always had incompetent leaders, but we've never had the ability to destroy ourselves. But now we have incompetent leaders who have the ability to destroy ourselves. And due to a series of chains in commands that results in a phallic explosion when a cowboy releases his nuke, on the world. Um, there's a lot of sexual innuendo throughout this film. The reason why this whole thing happened was because um, the cap, the general had a, um, he had a, uh, <coughs> excuse me. He had a motion after, at the point of ecstasy. And he felt like it was time to retaliate against the Russians. Um, but you know, that's the humor of it because in a sense, he's trying to say, what if one of the generals go rogue and because of the way the laws are written, we are unable to react fast enough to stop a rea- um, a nuclear bomb going off in Russia. This movie could have been serious, but I think the tone that they use to convey the message is perfect for the film. Because 
it maintains the seriousness of the whole scenario while putting in weird um, conversational stuff, um, um, conversations in between, like the conversation about between the Russian leader and the American leader, where it's like, uh, what are we talking about? You know, um, I don't feel that way. Do you? Do you feel that way? I don't. They were basically meandering on the phone, and you kept going. You do realize that you have twenty minutes to stop a bunch of planes dropping nuclear bombs on more than eighteen um, sites in Russia. The fact that you are meandering on this minor topic feels weird, mm-hmm. but the topic seems so insignificant. I had to chuckle uh, at the stupidity of it all. And then, obviously, even at the point of uh, full destruction, after the point that the nuclear bomb goes off, the only thing that they care about was reproduction. <laughs> And the Dr. Strangelove spent a significant amount of time talking about how the ratio of the men and women would be when they went underground. <laughs> um, and it would be 10 to 1, and the women would be forced to have babies with the most, uh, <laughs> with the most ideal humans, um, bringing out his Nazi roots. Um, and basically... Uh, giving himself away in many ways. So it's, I think it's just a nuance of the situation. Um, the lack of urgency in the whole scenario. Um, and I do feel like some of the characters did an amazing job. Like Peter Sellers played three characters in this movie. Um, he's at, the American president was a little bit off with the accent, but the German, um, and the British were quite on point. Um, well, I don't know if the, I don't know if the German is quite a point, but it plays a stereotypical German. Uh, but it was funny, and I think it was off-putting, which makes it even funnier. Um, and the fact that nobody outside of the knew what, what was going on, um, like the general, who was uh, a bumbling idiot, left his uh, wife at home um, waiting for the countdown to finish, and she had to call him while he was in a busy meeting with the president of the United States talking about the end of the world and asking why he hasn't returned because she had finished counting. Um, so stories like that um, is the reason why this movie is hilarious. Um, and in, surprisingly, the reason why I like this film, despite the fact that it took me a lot of tries to finally watch it from start to finish. Hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, like, the, I think one of the things that... Um shows us that <clears throat> I think one of the things that shows us that this movie is not super gripping at this point in time is like what you were experiencing, right? That it's hard to, to get past like the first half hour or so. And you, you said you had multiple attempts um, to finish this thing. I just think it's, it's um Tone-wise, it didn't work for me. It's... You know, it's it, it's kind of like Oppenheimer. <laughs> you know, in the, in the sense of... In, in, in Oppenheimer, we also have this weird mismatch of, of tone and mismatch of focus on, um, on, on the topic. And kind of a similar thing happens here. 
and what you were saying, there's some enjoyment in, in kind of watching the um, in the lack of capabilities of our leadership displayed in this film. Uh, I find that more depressing than anything to think that, you know, there's, there's this gigantic room with a circle, a circular table and everybody at that table uh, doesn't know what to do. And, uh, you know, it, it's kind of incapable, you know, the, the people on the plane, they're all not to blame because they're just following whatever orders they, they verified to follow. You know, there's, there's nothing to blame there. That's just how, how that's all set up. Um, the stuff in the office is, uh, again, it's this weird kind of comic relief thing. Like his his whole uh, discussion about water and fluoride and water, and you know, it's like it still kind of rings true because it's like you know you you have these kind of arguments and thoughts um, uh, nowadays still. Um, but again, I mean, like, wasn't the the gov the governor of Florida still talking about fluoride in this in water fluoridation of water? They're still talking about some of the things they were talking about in that film. Yeah, but all the conspiracy theories. But is like does does that make a compelling? I don't know. It's it's just so disjointed for me. Um, mm. and like I said, like like the thread, even like it ends with. With global destruction, I think is where we're getting at, right? Because we see a bunch of bombs going off, um, from from atomic bombs to hydro bombs and all that. And I, I guess that's showing us that the world is just ending. Um, okay, but but then what? Right? And so it's like like even the dialogue at the end with the oh we should be in mines and and you know repopulate the earth um which is also kind of disgusting just kind of the whole oh yeah it should be 10 to 1 but then you know the 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 the, the marriage is is not really possible with that mindset well we can forego that it's fine right it's just this this Typical weird, like male dominated, ha ha ha, but that's fine because everybody of us gets like 10 chicks. And it's, it's like, so what's the point here? I think this is kind of the, the thing that I'm asking. Like, what are we trying to do here? We're, we're trying to have a, an anti war movie focused around the Cold War threats. But then it gets distracted by this weird humor and these tangents and this whole. Um, we're going to repopulate the earth, uh, you know, Heil Hitler, we'll just have fertile, like willing women, uh, 10 to one, ha ha ha. And then every, everything blows up. Like, w what are we doing here? I, I honestly thought that the movie was, was, <clears throat> was quite clear in its messaging. I think that it was convoluted in how, well, I can't, I can't actually put those two sentences side by side. <laughs> I think the movie was, <laughs> I think the movie, the, the main premise of the movie was clear. The way it went about telling the story was convoluted. Um, and I think that is that is the interesting thing. It's like, all right, the movie is clear. What happens when we have incompetent leaders? You know, when the Russian guy picks up the phone and he says the guy was an alcoholic, when the, the Russian premier was, a, was an alcoholic and the president goes... 
And he goes to the, tells the president of the United States, like, yo, this man is a man of the people. But don't forget, he's also a man, which basically means that he has flaws. And one of his flaws is the fact that he's an alcoholic. Um, and you can reach him at his office because this is the period where he's with his women or he's drinking his alcohol. It kind of shows the foibles of leadership in general. So when you take that and you expand it to the general who started the whole premise, um, say like, hey, the reason why I want to do this mission, where I want to kill, start a war with the Russians is because I had um, an, uh, a, a, an out-of-body experience at the point of ecstasy. Um, and as a result of that, my decision then was to destroy the world there's a Felix symbol in there, which is also a criticism of the men who rule. Because what it's trying to say is you can't separate the man from nature. And even at the point of total destruction, the man is still thinking about the 10 to 1. Um, so there is a criticism of men. Um, and the fact that there's not enough women in that room to stop them is also a criticism of men because at many points in that film, the men stood up and we could see that it was all men and nobody could say no. Even the fact that the soldier was on the bomb uh, when it exploded was another symbol of being phallic. Um, at every single point, he could have turned around, tried to save the crew, but he was stuck on the mission um, and he exploded uh, with the big uh, rocket like sitting between his legs. So there's a, uh, there's a criticism of men in there uh, and uh, I think that it can be lost. I, I should also say that the sets are great. The sets in this movie are quite uh, beautiful the war room was pretty good. So much so that when Ronald Reagan became president, one of the things he told the chief of staff was that they need to redecorate the war room. And the chief of staff said, there's no such thing as a war room. Um, and he says, but I saw it in, um, in the movie, uh, Dr. Strangelove. And a lot of leaders were of the opinion that there was some sort of war room like that was this, like was shown in, in <laughs> Dr. Strangelove, uh, and they didn't realize that that was not the case. Another interesting thing was the, the U.S. military did not participate in making of this film. And when they showed them the cockpit of the B-52 bombers, the, U, the U.S. Navy was, the U.S. Air Force was so... Uh, confused that they threatened to sue the producers of the film for stealing state secrets. Uh, despite the fact that these people just built it all out from a, a picture in a magazine. So the, the point of the film was to be as realistic as possible, put unrealistic situations within very realistic scenes um, and try to create something um, that shows that incompetence can lead to a total destruction. And, they, and I think from an auteur perspective, they were able to show that because 
the the characters that you said that you said were off putting um uh as a result of the fact that they were written to be off putting um to show the level of incompetence and the effect of that so that's my that's my position on this hmm. and then, and, like your argument essentially is that everything is so carefully planned out to be a critique on manhood right and kind of the 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 sense of um men could do no wrong despite doing everything wrong is that kind of a correct so like but by yeah. the by design <laughs> women are kind of excluded from this or only like there's only one female person here and she she doesn't have a lot to do like that's by design to just show that men are not you know capable of doing anything but then i i challenge you on that because i think <clears throat> you brought up uh like the captain of the of the plane the pilot um could have could have saved the day and could have you know not follow the orders but he couldn't have though right because like he was following orders and there's not there's nothing that would have indicated for him to do anything else so what do you do either you follow the orders or you don't but then have those consequences um to deal with right so yes in this case because we as the audience know he shouldn't follow through you know we have this this imagery of well he could have just uh, disobeyed the orders but he couldn't have because he's been like a military person for years now to be at in his position right and which has shown that he's been kind of trained in this like okay it's an order we verified it we're going through with it the world is at war this is what we're doing this is just what we have to do because you know like uh, people from a different perspective have given the order to do what we need to do here right so you never had any power of saying we cannot do this uh, i also challenge you with like excluding women is, is showing that men are incapable i think a more powerful version of that would have been to include women but then actively show that nobody's listening to them which then begs the question because i feel like a lot of kubrick's films don't have especially the earlier ones don't have a lot of female engagement in them so i'm i'm just questioning if that's a blind spot of kubrick especially in the earlier films or not um, because women are always kind of a side a side thing a, a thing that the, the male gazes upon but they never have any agency um i think that changes in later films you know i think in in uh, shining we have agency i think in ice white chat we have some kind of agency but kind of also not really um but kind of going back to other films of his there's not a lot where where women have that right 2001 not a lot of female leads um clockwork orange women are there but not like in leading positions uh full metal jacket same they're abused um lolita male gaze on onto women right barry linden nothing so it's like so i i I just question if that's just a thing of kubrick and more not not a conscious but more kind of a blind spot thing and not a not a um conscious decision and a point of view that he tries to put into the film i don't know so two challenges i guess um number one is the urgency of women 
And number two, you are questioning uh, my theory based on the fact that the guy made the decisions to still continue with his actions uh, because he was a military man and he's been trained to do that. So the first to the first to the first point, which is the fact that the military man still went in with his uh, with his bomb. Um, I think that there were there were a couple of things um, that pointed to the fact that he could have turned around. One of the things was they alluded to the fact that all military men have initiative and they can take initiative uh, um, and they can calculate uh, what they have based on what they can do, uh, based on what information they have at any particular point on the plane. So that was a thing that one of the people mentioned in the airport, the general, the general with the wife, the one who was the only woman who appeared on the film. Um, and we've seen that at the towards the end of the film, his primary and secondary um, targets were out of reach. And he could have turned around, but he decided to switch targets without taking orders from the war room or at any, from any leadership. He decided to turn around on his own and go and bomb an alternative location. Meanwhile, all the Russians were waiting for them at the known location they were supposed to bomb. So the guy could have taken initiative at any point. Um, <clears throat> the fact that he also questioned the um, the code that he got was very interesting too because it pointed to the fact that he needed to verify that this was the right order um, and all of that, you know, just to make sure that they're not starting a nuclear war. He had to verify this. So... He didn't just go in and just take like, the order came in. It was like, all right, well, we're going to bomb. So he, he verified that information. When he saw that it wasn't possible to bomb the primary and the secondary location, he switched to a, a, an, an alternative location so that they can bomb that. So he shows that he has initiative. He chose to continue on the mission, despite the fact that he was warned by the crew that they were losing fuel and they didn't have enough fuel to return back to the base. So this was some of the decisions he made. Um, and the fact that the bomb didn't go off, he could have stopped and turned around, but he took initiative again and went down there uh, and tried to release the bomb. Um, and when it released with him on it, it wasn't intentional. Uh, it was just uh, coincidental. Uh, he blew up. So I, I wanted to just point out that at several points in this film, there were hiccups in the plan um, and the people on the plane made the decision to continue with it. So that's the number one. And the second one, um, I think that it's just a reflection of what was going on at the time. The fact that the women were not involved in the decision-making was just a reflection of what was going on at the time. Um, and while we can look at it at uh, from the lens of today... Um, I don't think it's fair on the director just to portray the realities of that time um, with the realities of the time in the film. So I don't hold it against him. I think that the movie um, also criticizes the fact that there was no other gender in the room. Um, and some of the decisions they were making were definitely gendered <laughs> in the sense that these were male fantasies uh, being portrayed to other males 
to get them on board. Um, and I think that if there were more women in the room, it probably wouldn't have been as, as drastic as that. So um, that's those are those are the points I'm using to counter it. All right, I I still don't think that the pilot had like that much of agency. Yes, he switched targets, I guess, but uh, it was still part of the parameters of the mission. Right, and he didn't yeah. seem he was like super surprised when he went with the bomb. He seemed more elated because he was. You know, he, he was having a good time. <laughs> like, I think there was not much he could do at that point. Unlike Batman in The Dark Knight Rises, six miles means six miles. So, you know, <laughs> he was going to die either way. Everybody on the plane died. Or did he? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, that's all I have. Should we go to the sidebar? Yeah, let's go to the, yeah, let's go to the uh, sidebar. Sidebar. Overruled. Sidebar. Guilty. Speculation. Hearsay. Bailiff. Briefcase. Disregard. In my chambers. Stop Beaver on the witness. Arrest. We could totally be lawyers. <sighs> yeah. I don't know. I th- the the thing that stands out for me is the set and the, the war room set. Like, that is cool. That is very, very cool. Mm-hmm. But aside from that, I was kind of bored with this film. You're bored? I mean... So I would say that the first few times I watched it, I kind of ended up that way. I was kind of bored with the film. Uh, and that's probably the reason why I never finished it. Um, the fact that I had to finish it was probably the reason why I finished it this time. <laughs> but I was more entertained. Um, I was actually entertained by this film. Um, and it was very interesting to me. And I think it's because I'm a little older now compared to when I, when I tried to watch it the first few times. And... I understand the importance of scenarios like that. I also understand more of the context in which this movie was made. You know, there's a lot of nuclear warnings at that point, lots of fear-mongering about nuclear weapons, realistic fear-mongering about nuclear weapons, because, you know, Oppenheimer and his gang had already created a a nuclear bomb and everybody was living in fear that it would be the next to be destroyed by it. Um, The media wasn't doing a good job of trying to relay the fears. The government wasn't doing a good job of trying to relay the fears. And the fact that we had B-52 bombers running 24 hours a day with nuclear bombers from 1950-whatever to 1962, I guess, uh, kind of indicated that this was a high-tension game. Um, This movie was made after the Berlin incident, uh, the Cuban incident. So people had lived through the incompetency of government and everybody going, well, I have bigger balls than you, and I have bigger balls than you. And somebody decided to make a movie about that. and I think the movie was effective in portraying the story of incompetence in government and the fact that males can't stop thinking about sex and are incompetent uh, when it comes to uh, people um, calling them out or making them feel small. So I just I just thought the movie was was a good mirror reflection of what people were going through at that time. It holds up. It, it does hold up. But it is, it, it, it's just fascinating to see movies about the Cold War. And there's so many of them, right? And there's this, like, um, like we're watching For All Mankind. I don't know if you know the show. But it's like this this alt- alternative reality, right, after. Mm-hmm. like and, and to a degree, there's still kind of this Soviet Union, U.S. kind of animosity and all that kind of stuff in there, too, right? So it's, it is fascinating to explore. And especially when this movie was made, it's like, it, 
you could tell it's relevant. And I, 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 I agree that, you know, uh, like I think we, we put leadership on a pedestal and, you know, we, we have this illusion of, well, they're elected people, so they know what they're doing. Right, but I think it's it's more and more clear that that is not the case, um, or or rather, yeah. it's more they have different agendas than different interests at heart, rather than you know um, the greater public good. Um, so, so that's kind of interesting. Like you, you bring up, you know, the, like at the end of the day, like the agenda here of the, of the people is. Is more like, hey, we're leadership. We can decide, you know, how we can repopulate the, uh, the earth. That's great. We're gonna make out like bandits on that. Ha ha ha! We got, you know, ten beautiful women. It's gross. It, it, it's just kind of disgusting. But you know, politics. Um, I, I think the just the weird tonality of this and and the weird nonchalance. Of okay, we dropped a bomb in Russia or the Soviet Union, and you know, okay, that happened without a lot of retaliation <laughs> that we've seen. Like all that will follow, right? Mm. And I guess that th that is just weird to me because it's like it, it. It's also weird. Granted, Kubrick, British British person, I think, right? So, so like uh, traditionally, the U.S. would not be the aggressor, right? So it's it's interesting that in this film. The U.S. is, but I think they talked about that in the film too, because the president was saying, "Am I not the only one who has authorization to launch a nuclear weapon?" Um, and the other guy said, "Yeah, you do. You're the only one." But uh, we wrote a uh, we wrote a law to prevent the Russians uh, from just launching a surprise attack and blowing up the White House. So, in a scenario where we've been destroyed uh, before you could actually give the order. This gives us the ability to retaliate. And if you remember, the wing, uh, the, the attack uh, R was basically them saying, oh, the White House has been destroyed and nobody can respond. So we've got to do this irrespective. So that's basically the scenario. Well, yeah, but it's... But again, I, I guess the argument then is, you know, the, the lawmakers... Have good intentions, but don't things think things through? I don't know, right? Like, like again, I'm. I, I just don't. I guess I just don't fully get this movie, and that's on me, right? But it's like, mm. I, I just. It, it's pretty sets. It's good performances, I would say. A little over the top here and there, but um, not much more for me. Like, I know people like this. I, it's just not my thing, and that's fine. Yeah, I, 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 would I watch this movie again? You know what? Probably. I can, I can see the humor. I can, I, can, I can appreciate this film and what it's trying to do. And I, can, I also appreciate the fact that because this movie is in black and white, this movie feels timeless surprisingly um i get to see peter sellers in his stride i think this is probably peter sellers best film um and i've seen quite a few 
Well, maybe except from being there, which was quite the satire. Uh, but it kind of talks about this similar thing where people just read into other people what they want to see. But I felt like this movie was was quite good and it didn't take too long to get to the point. So it was, I mean, one of the things that we've talked about in this movie is like, oh, this movie is too long. You know, this movie was was brief. It was, it was, it was pretty. One hour, one hour, 34 minutes. And by the time I looked at my clock, I only had 20 minutes left in the film. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay, so how is this movie going to end? I, I thought this movie was good. I enjoyed it. Um, notwithstanding, not ignoring the fact that I've tried to start this movie several times. Um, maybe if I wasn't forced to finish it, I wouldn't have finished it. But when I finished it, I didn't regret finishing it. And I feel like I can put this movie back on my uh, on my watch list and I would actually enjoy watching it again. I think there are a couple of jokes that I probably missed out on, a couple of chuckles that I could have gotten through, but I think that I can watch this movie again. All right. All right. Well, for the next one... We are watching the original, not the remake. Thank God. Um, we're going to Korea. We're going to watch Old Boy. The original, wow. <laughs> you know, the interesting thing, I was actually thinking about watching The Old Boy again. That movie is uh, it's quite, the, it's quite the show, but it's quite the thrill. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but I think that, the, you know, the hallway scene has influenced so many, so many films nowadays. It'll be go back. It'll be good to go back and watch it again. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, and like I said, thank God it's not the American remake. I don't think it will ever make a list of the best. Because <laughs> oh boy, I, I want. Did they treat? Did they? Did they treat? Was the, okay. I, let's not talk about that movie too much. Let's talk about it next week. But I am. I haven't seen the American one. I don't intend to see it. But right. I, I am curious to see if they cut corners and. Uh, <laughs> We decided against such a tragic end to that film. Right, right. Well, until then, where can people find us, though? You can find us on at Movie Mistral on Instagram, on X, um, and on Facebook on at Movie Mistral. But they can also send us an email to contact at moviemistral.com. All right. Well, we'll be looking forward to hearing from you. Hope you guys have a good rest of your weekend and uh, or rest of your week and weekend. Right. And we'll see you next. We'll see you next time. Yeah, sounds good. Thank you so much, and take care.